Welcome to 2021, everybody. On this episode of The Joe Roberts Show, I get the opportunity to sit down with Joe and discuss all he has learned throughout 2020, along with what real estate deals he's bought, flipped, and sold. Joe will discuss how long he believes it will be until crypto is fully mainstream, and if you do nothing else, what the number one tax-saving strategy you should implement in 2021 is. History doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes, is the saying Joe keeps referring to. Tune in to find out why. Let's just get right down to business. The Joe Roberts Show. This, this is The Joe Roberts Show. The Joe Roberts Show. The Joe Roberts Show. Listeners, welcome to The Joe Roberts Show. Today, I'm going to highlight what I was doing during the year of 2020. And I have Miss Jennifer Robert on today to help guide me through the conversation for all you, all of you. Um, okay, Joe. So how was 2020? 2020 from a business standpoint? Yeah, 2020 was a very interesting year. Um, it felt like, uh, you know, a, a lot of great things did happen at the same time. It felt kind of slow within the marketplace and uh, what opportunities were available. Good thing, bad thing. I mean, the opportunities that were available where they hit them out of the ballpark home runs or I think a lot of people that already had deals that they have acquired it before or did acquire this year definitely was able to take advantage of the upswing we've seen in all real estate markets and all asset classes, mostly including the stock market, real estate, crypto, and you know, obviously anything online or internet-based has done even better than 2019. I mean, a lot of people, I guess back in March, no one thought the real estate market would be where it is today. Is that true? I think uh, a lot of people didn't predict uh, the, the federal government coming to bail people out and to allow these type of moratoriums to prevent evictions and foreclosures from happening. So continuing on real estate, let's talk about um, real estate in the Outer Banks, beach points, kind of vacation spots that hot. I mean, as we know, people in the Outer Banks houses are going into bidding wars and people are buying houses sight unseen. Um, you yourself did that twice how yeah. yeah i would say uh you know with everybody being locked up back in the springtime it was interesting to see that once there was some uh you know some people were, had the ability to move but yet they still saw that that their work was going to still be on lockdown or whatever for the rest of the year most people decided to go and spend their summer at vacation destinations and then also make the permanent move to you know, remote work basically where a lot of these companies are going to allow most people to remote work full-time or almost most of the week. So they could always travel back into the city if they need to go into the office for an hour or hour or so, or, or for the day. Otherwise, you know, a lot more people are going to be remote working and now living at these coastal regions where they could kind of allow that fantasy at living at the beach play <laughs> out. So do you think that's going to be the new norm? going forward is the lack of in-person work or kind of just, you know, report into the office one day a week or something like that? I think that everything will have a shift and there's going to be some type of allocation. Most companies will have some allocation of a period of the week where they're going to want the people to come in and maybe they'll strategically set schedules around like the different types of teams or different organizations under the company. So they come in on the same business days and they kind of huddle they go over the week's work, almost like a sprint for every week. And then people go home, do their you know workload for the week and come back. 
Should you think uh, from a real estate standpoint, there's going to be lots of empty office space building? Something like that, people aren't going to need their individual offices then. I think depending on location, it's definitely going to be uh, it's going to be a little bit of strain and vacancy for at least a few years. And that's depend, depending on location. Some of the suburban offices might even do better. There may be a lot more co-working space that opens up uh, because of this that will allow more of the suburbanites or other people to kind of work out of these co-working spaces versus office, office places. So then talking about co-working spaces and everyone moving to the south or to south and coastal points and stuff like that, do you see like these co-working spaces kind of opening up in places like Hatteras and, you know, different Atlantic and all those different show uh, beach points and stuff like that? I doubt uh, places like that will really open up there only because of population density needs certain density to kind of be sustainable from a profitability standpoint. But I think in areas like that, uh, you're more prone to see the coffee shops having uh, seating available for the people to kind of come in and do remote work that way. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I know we'll leave the kids here. They go to school, right? I'll work at a dancing turtle. <laughs> um, okay. So as far as let's keep talking about, uh, you have some interesting real estate deals in Outer Banks going on uh, that went on throughout 2020 and bought and sold and bought. And so what's going on? Yeah. So I think, uh, uh, you know, some of the lots that we accumulated at the end of uh, 2019 that we, you know, had purchased and were holding for, you know, plan to hold for a long time. The market just shifted quickly and the prices rose at a, at a pace that basically we were able to sell, you know, 80% of the lots at uh, approximately double the price as we did bought them from a year ago. Um, and I'm sure there's still a lot more room for those lots to move up. There's very limited waterfront property along anywhere. You know, I mean, that's always uh, a factor that people need to take in consideration. There's, as they say, there's not really any more oceanfront property. So that's not like a Outer Banks thing. That's like a coastal wide, really. There's no oceanfront property. It's hard to come by anymore. Correct. I mean, especially if it's in a destination where people, uh, where it's desired to go to, because that means, you know, it's already been built up most of it. So I think that's uh, played out well. Uh, you know, the rental properties in a lot of these second, you know, vacation destinations have booked the whole entire season this summer due to those people that just need to get away from being on lockdown and booking new places and going to states that allowed people to come in and travel and go on vacation. So the bookings on all the rentals were stronger than any season. I don't even know in history or at least for many years and were booked mostly through the end of the year. So, you know, I think everyone was a little nervous at the springtime, how things were going to play out, but you know, as people started to shift, you know, later in April, May, things opened up, uh, you know, they were fully booked on 99%, 100% occupancy for the whole season. There, are, I mean, there are places down Hatteras that are already booked completely for 2021, they're marketing. So, um, and our house that we rented down there. So it was kind of our first big dive into the rental program down there. What did you take away from it? What would you have changed? And what did you like about it? <laughs> <laughs> what did you hate about it well you know i think it was uh what i loved about it is that we did buy it at the right time and at the right price in 2019 which was the reason why we did make that move uh you know it probably needed 
a little bit more work than expected. Um, as is everything. As is everything, but I kind of bought it sight unseen anyway, knowing that I was getting it at a certain <laughs> price um, and was still about 40% of what it sold for actually back in 2006. So, it, you know, and on a price per square foot, you can't, re you can't build new and replace that property. So, you know, it was a good purchase price to buy that property and a lot next door, which is one back ocean front within that package deal. Um, what I, you know, I, I think it was everything that I dreamt it to be. <laughs> broken, you know? broken TVs, broken beanbag chairs and everything, huh? Hey, that's, uh, I was already aware <laughs> of that. I mean, when you're dealing with uh, vacation rentals and type of clients or the hospitality industry, we'll call it. You know, there's, when there's a lot of people coming in and out, there's a lot more damage on your properties, a lot more wear, a lot more capex, a lot more, you know, capital that you're going to need to put into there. And I knew up front that most of these properties at the beach, based on my underwriting, do not cash flow. I mean, the only way you really make the money is pay down principal and on appreciation and selling at some point in the future. So that's what I was going to say to you. So people say, um, like I've told people we have, you know, vacation rentals and outer banks and they're like, oh, the money must be great. And. So, and I'm like, no, we don't, you know, make money, quote unquote, off the rentals. So go ahead and for anyone that like, wants to get a vacation rental to quote, like make money, you don't make money off the weekly rentals, do you? No, typically, I mean, depends on where you're buying and how you're going to write. Typically, by the time you have all the, uh, the CapEx or capital expenditures that you need to put in to replace everything and to also for repairs to repair all the damages throughout the year, including the property manager, um, you know, you're, 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 depending on what, what price you're buying at, you may make a little break even, or actually a lot of people end up losing money. Um, you know, and most of the locals there are very aware that, you know, people typically come in, they buy a house, they romantically fall in love. First year they lose some money. They're like, okay, next year do good. And then after a few years, they finally realize that they just keep losing money. So maybe by year five or six, they finally decide to get out of it. So that's that. You got in and out real fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know it was over you know it was over a year it wasn't quite expected to be so short but i mean the, the market the market moved and uh, it gave the ability just to be able to sell and take advantage of uh how well i was doing and move on okay it was it was good while last time my favorite part was decorating <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part uh, obviously was the hot tub oh well i liked decorating um, okay, so let's move away from, do you have anything else to say about real estate, any land, anything else you got going on, any real estate plans you have for 2021? Well, I think just in regards to buying lots, I mean, there is some opportunity for different financing through local banks out there. You got to kind of look around, uh, you know, maybe on, only on like a 15 year term, but they're out there and, you know, there's ability to do land deals in this market now. Uh, actually, if anyone listens to the podcast right before this one with Brecht, you talk about um, going to local banks uh, as opposed to the big banks and all that to get your real estate deals and your note deals and everything like that. So how important is that to have a relationship with uh, those kind of people? Well, I think it's definitely in the benefit to have a relationship with all local banks. I mean, the local banks are the people that you can actually be in contact with, be in touch with, stop in and shake hands and do deals. And you're just more likely to get traction there to do business with than a larger bank where, you know, when you go into a local branch, it's not ultimately people that make decisions up top. So 
that there is a lot of benefits there in establishing those relationships. They are more willing to continue to ex extend loans and business to you in the future. Well, you want to watch this segue? So let's go talk about note deal. Anything, what do you think? I know like the note market wasn't that hot in 2020. What are we thinking in 2021? Well, I think like everything else, uh, compression of yield returns have come down. There's more competitors in the space, a lot more capital. Uh, you know, there's a lot of capital still sitting on the sidelines. I think with all the moratorium and eviction rules, it's kind of been hard to underwrite loan deals because you just don't know when you can actually foreclose in certain states. Now, certain states, are, it's a state by state um, rules. The rules are state by state, so you got to kind of look at that. But for the most part, a lot of the moratoriums have pro, uh, you know, have stopped people from being able to foreclose or evict. So it's been hard to actually collect on loans and go through the foreclosure process. So I think that's going to hinder the price of notes still for another six months or so. Do you think, I mean, when I first met you, notes were kind of like surging, not surging, but you were easier to find them. And I feel like the past year, that's been a lot harder. So you think the next six months from now, the second half of the year kind of things will start popping out again, or we just don't know. We just don't know. We don't know what our buddies in the government are going to do. Maybe they're just going to keep printing money until we all don't even have to work anymore. But um, yeah, we just don't know. I mean, it, it, the theory is that there's a lot of delinquencies and uh, a lot of delinquencies and evictions that are going to happen at some point. But how that plays out or how it all gets, we'll call it gobbled up by all the money will kind of determine what assets will be available. Um, I think that as they say, I think the things in the past often don't repeat, but they rhyme. So I don't think we're going to per se, per se see what we've seen back in 2008, 2010 with this just, you know, tranches of delinquent mortgages, but there may be something similar and we don't know yet, but that opportunity, I think it will not look the same as it did in the past. That's great. So how has... Bitcoin. I mean, I know that's like your favorite thing to talk about. How is Bitcoin, the other cryptocurrencies? What's what's going on? Do I really talk about it that much? <laughs> I don't think I have. Always. Always. Elon Musk had something to say. Twitter has something to say. Doge and Bitcoin and Ethereum and what just got kicked off the market today and Ripple, Ooh. Ripple facing a lawsuit. Ripple. Well, I, I think uh, you know cryptocurrencies. This wallet, that wallet. Cryptocurrencies <laughs> are, are hopefully back in the bull swing. Um, they, you know, have been coming off the last couple of years of a sell-off or a slash consolidation, where you know a lot of the weekends from 2017-2018 got out, and a lot of people have been accumulating and buying. And, you know, based on the traction the market's getting in institutions right now, there should be, you know, a, a good few years ahead, maybe five, 10 years. Um, at the end of the day, digital assets and tokenization, we're going to see across a, a lot of assets or most assets. I mean, a lot of these assets are all going to be tokenized, put on the blockchain, and we're going to be able to, you know, you're going to be able to buy shares of real estate in some famous known building with the click of a mouse, maybe even just talking to Alexa. <laughs> we'll have to have these parental controls on Alexa so our children don't go using Bitcoin. Um, so it, it is becoming slowly more mainstream. That's 
like you're seeing more and more um, companies and stuff like that are starting to offer Bitcoin. How long do you think until it's more widely accepted? Five years. So we still have a while. Things take time in life. Things take five, 10, 20 years of, you know, I mean, just, you know, look at Uber, right? I mean, that's a, a like a 15 year play, right? Or Facebook. I mean, you know, it took five to 10 years to kind of get out there, get traction, another five years to, you know, to get, you know, to multi-billions. I was listening to something the other day and someone said, if you uh, told me like, you know, 10 years ago to like order some stranger to come up in their Honda Civic and for me to get in their car, I would have told you you're nuts. Now it's just the normal thing to do. Or to go couch surfing and go stay on people's couches <laughs> for free, right? Everything you learned as a child not to do, it's totally okay to get in cars with strangers and sleep on their couches. So as of right now, um, as we're talking, Bitcoin is at an all-time high. What, how long do we think this uptrend is going to go on? I don't make any price predictions. <laughs> I haven't over the last few years. I laugh at these people making price predictions. Well, that's all you listen to. Sometimes I hear at night, like all these like analysts and all talking and the candlesticks and they're all blowing. The they're all just trying to, they're all just blowing, smoke up your ass, blowing smoke up the ass. But in reality is, <laughs> you know, Tesla, I think has done about an 18 X over the last 18 months itself. So, you know, a lot of things, assets are moving up. People are buying the best of the best. So there is a possibility that it can do a very well 510X or something in the next few years. Um, you know, it could happen in one year, it could happen in five years. But uh, most likely, you know, people and institutions are getting involved and they're accumulating. And now it's just a matter of time to allow the market to do its thing. Speaking of Tesla, where's my self driving truck? I think we got another year on that. <laughs> um, so, you know, you've talked to so many people about tax savings and different strategies and also from, you know, all your, I think we're at 34, 35 episodes that you recorded in 2020. What is a couple of new points or tips or tricks or tax saving strategies that you yourself have learned or you learned more about? Well, I think there is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you definitely, everyone's probably pretty much aware for most common people that how to utilize IRAs, you know, and self-directed IRAs and how you can direct those uh, retirement funds into assets like real estate, stocks, and crypto. And I think that's probably one of the most underutilized by the, the majority of people um, to participate in. Definitely through the retirement accounts. That's probably the uh, number one for the majority of listeners. And I know you talked to Carl. He's a longtime acquaintance. Um, he deals with all that stuff. And I know he's taught you a lot over that stuff over the years. Um, in 2021, is your goal to do more with that? Uh, to continue on down the education through tax tax savings and bringing the listeners value to how they can you know strategically asset allocate and invest better with tax strategies. And you yourself, yes. Correct. Yeah. I mean that's uh, I mean any any investor that's going to invest for you know, their lifetime is going to have to strategize and be knowledgeable on taxes. You know, I know uh, just speaking with a buddy of mine, he just rehired a new CPA. He did a lot of digging himself online, listened to a lot of podcasts, a lot of YouTube videos and became knowledgeable enough that he knew he had to actually go and hire somebody else that then was able to execute the plan for him. And he's already, he may even get a refund that last year of hundred K just by getting a different CPA. Who, who's more familiar with all this tax saving strategies and all than the previous one was. Correct. So it's all about who you know. 
it's all about who you know. And if you're self-employed, there's typically a lot of different strategies that you can utilize within, you know, the legal tax code that allows you to, to bring down your tax liability each year. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, you know, we talk about um, self-direct IRAs and stuff like that for adults, but um, I know you and I have talked recently about the 529 plan for our kids. Um, where do you see that going? I think the 529 plans, you know, it's a great uh, savings vehicle for the majority of people. I mean, it's um, something that is completely passive. If you like to be in the market, you like to have returns compound tax free, allow to use for your kids' private education or for their college tuition. I think it's a great plan. Um, depending on how you allocate your capital, I mean, there could be people that just make a lot more return on their capital outside of 529, even after paying taxes. So you got to kind of strategize or decide what, what's kind of best for you and how to allocate the capital. I have two more questions for you. One is what is your main business goal or, you know, what you want to achieve in 2021? That is, is definitely, uh, hasn't been decided. We're not at January 1st yet. And that that's going to have to be released in a couple weeks then. So we'll do a follow-up interview? <laughs> yeah. All yeah. right. Then what is the last question you ask everybody? Then what is the one thing in 2020 that you did to help increase your wealth? Invested in assets in the right location at the right time in a market that was moving up and also selling some at the right time when the right buyer came along and not being too greedy. So you're saying all the ways that you've increased your wealth in 2020 was pure luck? No, it was not pure luck. It was education based on <laughs> learning in the past. What did you say? History doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes. But things rhyme, yeah. Right. Do you have anything else you would like to share? Any little Joseph Robert nuggets you have to tell? No, I think uh, I think that's great. You know, as we wrap up the new year, I'm sure everyone is uh, excited to get in 2021. And I'm sure we still got a little bit of lingering COVID for a while, but it seems like there's a, an end to sight and everyone, mm -hmm. stay safe. everyone should just stay safe and continue, you know, head down, focus on their business. And uh, I'm seeing a lot more development, a lot more people doing a lot more deals because they're less distracted by other things because of actually the current environment. Cool. Thanks for chatting, Joe. Thank you. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave a rating and review. We'll see you on our next episode. Thanks for listening to The Joe Roberts Show. Take these tips and insights that you can use to help grow your own personal wealth and share them with a friend that could also benefit. Don't miss a single episode or updates. Subscribe to our email list at joerobert.com. And as always, keep pushing yourself towards a more impactful life. The Joe Roberts Show. The Joe Roberts Show. Joe Robert Show.